0: Om agyanatimadanasyajnananjana shalakhaya chakshurunmiditham dheena tasmay shigurve
1: namah
0: Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya
1: Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya
0: Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya
2: Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya Om
0: Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo
3: Bhagavate Vasudevaya
0: Continuing our reading after Maharaj's beautiful dramatic reading of Govardhan Hill, Chapter 25 Devastating Rainfall in Vrindavana. When Indra understood that the sacrifice which was to be offered to the cowherd men in Vrindavana had been stopped by Krishna, He became angry and he vented his anger upon the inhabitants of Vrindavana, who were headed by Nanda Maharaj. Although Indra knew perfectly well that Krishna was personally protecting them. As the director of different kinds of clouds, Indra called for the Samvartaka. This cloud is invited when there is a need to devastate the whole cosmic manifestation. The Samvartaka was ordered by Indra to go over Vrindavan and inundate the whole area with an extensive flood. Demonically, Indra thought himself to be the all-powerful Supreme Personality. When demons become very powerful, they defy the Supreme Controller, the Personality of Godhead, Indra. <laughs> pers- excuse me. When demons become very powerful, they defy the Supreme Controller, the Personality of Godhead. Indra, though not a demon, was puffed up by his material position and he wanted to challenge the Supreme Controller. He thought himself, at least for the time being, as powerful as Krishna. Indra said, just see the impotence of the inhabitants of Vrindavan. They are simply inhabitants of the forests, But being infatuated with their friend Krishna, who is nothing but an ordinary human being, they have dared to defy the demigods. Krishna has declared in the Bhagavad Gita that the worshippers of the demigods are not very intelligent. He has also declared that one has to give up all kinds of demigod worship and simply concentrate on Krishna consciousness. Krishna is invoking the anger of Indra and later on chastising him is a clear indication to his devotees that those who are engaged in Krishna consciousness have no need to worship any demigod even if it is found that the demigod has become angry krishna gives his devotees all protection and they should completely depend on his mercy indra cursed the action of the inhabitants of Vrindavan and said by defying the authority of the demigods the inhabitants of vrindavan will suffer in material existence having neglected the sacrifice to the demigods they cannot cross over the impediments of the ocean of a dual existence. Indra further declared These coward men in Vrindavan have neglected my authority on the advice of this talkative boy who is known as Krishna. He is nothing but a child, and by believing this child, they have enraged me. Thus, he ordered the Sambartaka cloud to go and destroy the prosperity of Vrindavan. The men of Vrindavan, said Indra, have become too puffed up over their material opulence and are overconfident due to the presence of their tiny friend, Krishna. He is simply talkative, childish, and unaware of the complete cosmic situation, although he is thinking himself very advanced in knowledge. Because they have taken Krishna so seriously, they must be punished. They should be destroyed with their cows. In this way, Indra ordered the Samvartaka cloud to go to Vrindavan and inundate the place. It is indicated here that in the villages or outside the towns, the inhabitants must depend on the cows for their prosperity. When the cows are destroyed, the people are destitute of all kinds of opulences. When King Indra ordered the Samvartaka and companion clouds to go to Vrindavana, the clouds were afraid of doing this mischief. But King Indra assured them, you go ahead and I will also go riding on my elephant accompanied by great storms and I shall apply all my strength to punishing the inhabitants of Vrindavan. Who's
3: puffed
0: up? Ordered by King Indra, all the dangerous clouds appeared above Vrindavan and began to pour water incessantly with all their strength and power. There was constant lightning and thunder, blowing of severe wind and incessant falling of rain. The rain seemed to fall like piercing sharp arrows. By pouring water as thick as pillars without cessation, the clouds gradually filled all the lands in Vrindavan with water, and there was no visible distinction between higher and lower land. The situation was very dangerous, especially for the animals. The rainfall was accompanied by great winds, and every living creature in Vrindavan began to tremble from the severe cold. Unable to find any other source of deliverance, they all approached Govinda to take shelter at his lotus feet. The cows especially, being much aggrieved from the heavy rain, bowed down their heads and taking their calves underneath their bodies, they approached the Supreme Personality of Godhead to take shelter of his lotus feet. At that time, all the inhabitants of Vrindavan began to pray to Lord Krishna. Dear Krishna, they prayed, you are all-powerful and you are very affectionate to your devotees. Now please protect us who have been much harassed
1: by angry Indra." Upon hearing their, their prayer, Krishna could understand that Indra, being bereft of his sacrificial honor, was pouring down rain that was accompanied by heavy pieces of ice and strong winds, although all this was out of season. Krishna understood that this was a deliberate exhibition of anger by Indra. He therefore concluded, This demigod who thinks himself supreme has shown his great power, but I shall answer him according to my position, and I shall teach him that he is not autonomous in managing universal affairs. I am the supreme lord over all, and I shall thus take away his false prestige. Which has risen from his power. The demigods are my devotees, and therefore it is not possible for them to forget my supremacy, but somehow or other he has become puffed up with material power and thus is now maddened. I shall act in such a way as to deliver him of his false prestige. I shall give protection to my devotees in Vrindavan who are at present completely dependent on my mercy and whom I have taken completely under my protection. I must save them by my mystic power. Thinking in this way, Lord Krishna immediately picked up Govardhan Hill with one hand, exactly as a child picks up a mushroom from the ground. Thus he exhibited his transcendental pastime. Of lifting Govardhan Hill. Lord Krishna then addressed his devotees My dear brothers, my dear father, my dear inhabitants of Vrindavan, you can now safely enter under the umbrella of Govardhan Hill, which I have just lifted. Do not be afraid of the hill and think that it will fall from my hand. You have been too much afflicted from the heavy rain and strong wind. Therefore, I have lifted this hill, which, which will protect you, exactly like a huge umbrella. I think this is a proper arrangement to relieve you of your immediate distress. Be happy along with your animals underneath this great umbrella. Be assured by Lord Krishna. All the inhab- being assured by Lord Krishna, all the inhabitants of Vrindavan entered beneath the great hill along with their property and animals, and they all appeared to be safe. The inhabitants of Vrindavan and their animals remained there for one week without being disturbed by hunger, thirst, or any other discomforts. They were simply astonished to see how Krishna was holding up the mountain with His little finger of His left hand. Seeing the extraordinary mystic power of Krishna, Indra, the king of heaven, was thunderstruck and baffled in his determination. He immediately called for all the clouds and asked them to desist. When the sky became completely cleared of all clouds and there was sunrise again, the strong wind stopped. At that time, Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, known now as the Lifter of Govardhan Hill, said, My dear cowherd men, now you can leave and take your wives, children, cows and valuables because everything has ended. The inundation has gone down along with the swelling waters of the river. All the men loaded their valuables on carts and slowly left with their cows and other paraphernalia. After they had cleared out everything, Lord Krishna very slowly replaced Govardhan Hill in exactly the same position it had been before. When everything was done, all the inhabitants of Vrindavan approached Krishna with feelings of love and embraced him with great ecstasy. The gopis, being naturally very affectionate to Krishna, began to offer him yogurt mixed with their tears. And they poured incessant blessings upon him. Mother Yashoda, Mother Rohini, Nanda, and Balarama, who was the strongest of the strong, embraced Krishna one after another, and from spontaneous feelings of affection, blessed him over and over again. In the heavens, different demigods from different planetary systems, such as Siddhaloka, Gandharvaloka and Charanaloka also began to show their complete satisfaction. They poured showers of flowers on the surface of the earth and sounded different conch shells. There was beating of drums, and being inspired by godly feelings, residents of Gandharvaloka began to play on their tamburas to please the Lord. After this incident, the Supreme Personality of Godhead surrounded by his dear friends and, and, and the animals, returned to his home. As usual, the gopis began to chant the glorious pastimes of Lord Krishna with great feeling, for they were chanting from the heart. Thus end the Bhaktivaranta purport, the 25th chapter of Krishna, Devastating Rainfall in Vrindavan.
0: Chapter 26
1: Wonderful Krishna
0: Without understanding the intricacies of Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and without knowing his uncommon spiritual opulences, the innocent cowherd boys and men of Vrindavan began to discuss his wonderful activities which surpassed the activities of all men. One of them said, My dear friends, Considering his wonderful activities, how is it possible that such an uncommon boy would come and live with us in Vrindavan? It is really not possible. Just imagine, he is now only seven years old. How is it possible for him to lift Govardhan Hill in one hand and hold it up just like the king of elephants holds a lotus flower? To lift a lotus flower is a most insignificant thing for an elephant. And similarly, Krishna lifted Govardhan Hill without exertion. When he was simply a small baby and could not even see properly, he killed a great demon, Putana. While sucking her breast, he also sucked out her life air. Krishna killed the Putana demon exactly as eternal time kills a living creature in due course. When he was only three months old, he was sleeping underneath a hand-driven cart. Being hungry for his mother's breasts, he began to cry and throw his legs upward. And from the kicking of his small feet, the cart immediately broke apart and fell to pieces. When he was only one year old, he was carried away by the Trinavarta demon disguised as a whirlwind. And although he was taken very high in the sky, he simply hung on the neck of the demon and forced him to fall from the sky and immediately die. Once his mother, being disturbed by his stealing butter, tied him to a wooden mortar and the child pulled it toward a pair of trees known as Yamala Arjuna and caused them to fall. Once, when he was engaged in tending the calves in the forest along with his elder brother Balaram, a demon named Bakasura appeared and Krishna at once bifurcated the demon's beak. When the demon known as Vatsasura entered among the calves tended by Krishna with a desire to kill him, he immediately detected the demon, killed him and threw him into a tree. When Krishna, along with his brother Balaram, entered the Talavana forest, the demon, known as Tenukasura, in the shape of an ass, attacked them, and was immediately killed by Balaram, who caught his hind legs and threw him into a palm tree. Although the Kasura demon was assisted by his cohorts, also in the shape of asses, all were killed, and the Talavana forest was then opened for the use of the animals and inhabitants of Vrindavan. When Pralambasura entered among Krishna's cowherd boyfriends, Krishna caused him to be killed by Balaram. Thereafter, Krishna saved his friends and cows from a severe forest fire, and he chastised the Kalia serpent, In the lake of the jamuna river and forced him to leave the vicinity of the jamuna he thereby made the water of the jamuna poisonless another one of the friends of nanda maharaj said my dear nanda we do not know why are we are why we are so attracted by your son krishna we want to forget him but this is impossible why are we so naturally affectionate toward him just imagine how wonderful it is On one hand he is only a boy of seven years and on the other hand there is a huge hill like Govardhan Hill and he lifted it so easily. Oh Nanda Maharaj, we are now in great doubt. Your son Krishna must be one of the demigods. He is not at all an ordinary boy. Maybe he is the supreme personality of Godhead. On hearing the praises of the coward men of Vrindavan, King Nanda said, My dear friends, in reply to you, I can simply present the statement of Gargamuni so that your doubts may be cleared. When he came to perform the name-giving ceremony, he said that this boy descends in different periods of time in different colors and that this time he has appeared in Vrindavan in a blackish color known as Krishna. Previously, he had a white color and then a red color, then a yellow color. He also said that this boy was once the son of Vasudeva and everyone who knows of his previous birth calls him vasudev Actually, he said that my son has many varieties of names according to his different qualities and activities. Gagācārya assured me that this boy would be all auspicious for my family and that he would be able to give transcendental blissful pleasure to all the cowherd men and cows in Vrindavan. Even though we would be put into various kinds of difficulties by the grace of this boy we would be very easily freed from them. He also said that formerly this boy saved the world from an unregulated condition and he saved all honest men from the hands of the dishonest thieves. He also said that any fortunate man who becomes attached to this boy, Krishna, is never vanquished or defeated by his enemy. On the whole He is exactly like Lord Vishnu, who always takes the side of the demigods, who are consequently never defeated by the demons. Gargacharya thus concluded that my child would grow to be exactly like Vishnu in transitable beauty, qualification, activities, influence and opulence, and so we should not be very astonished by his wonderful activities. After telling me this, Gargacharya returned home, and since then we have been continually seeing the wonderful activities of this child. According to the version of Gargacharya, I consider that he must be Narayan himself, or maybe a plenary portion of Narayan. When all the coward men had very attentively heard the statements of Gargacharya through Nanda Maharaj, they better appreciated the wonderful activities of Krishna and became very jubilant and satisfied. They began to praise Nanda Maharaj because by consulting him, their doubts about Krishna were cleared. They said, Let Krishna, who is so kind, beautiful and merciful, protect us. When angry Indra sent torrents of rain accompanied by showers of ice blocks and high wind, Krishna immediately took compassion upon us and saved us and our families, cows and valuable possessions by picking up Govardhan Hill just as a child picks up a mushroom. He saved us so wonderfully. May he continue to glance mercifully over us and our cows. May we live peacefully under the protection of wonderful Krishna. Thus ends the Bhaktivedanta purport of the 26th chapter
1: of Krishna, Wonderful Krishna.
3: Chapter 27
1: Prayers by Indra, the King of Heaven. When Krishna saved the inhabitants of Vrindavan from the wrath of Indra by, living, by lifting Govardhan Hill, a Surabi cow from Goloka, Vrindavan, as well as King Indra from the heavenly planets, appeared before him. Indra, the King of Heaven, was conscious of his offense before Krishna. Therefore, he stealthily appeared before him in a secluded place. He immediately fell down at the lotus feet of Krishna, although his own crown was dazzling like sunshine. Indra knew about the exalted position of Krishna because Krishna is the master of Indra. But he could not believe that Krishna could come down and live in Vrindavan among the cowherd men. When Krishna defied the authority of Indra, Indra became angry because he thought that he was all in all within this universe, and that no one was as powerful as he. But after this incident, his false puffed-up prestige was destroyed. Being conscious of his subordinate position, he appeared before Krishna with folded hands and began to offer the following prayers. My dear Lord, Indra said, "Being puffed up by my false prestige, I thought that you had offended me by not allowing the coward men to perform the Indra Yajna, and I thought that you wanted to enjoy the offerings that were being that were being that, that were arranged for the sacrifice. <clears throat> I thought that in the name of a Govardhan sacrifice, you were taking my share of profit." And therefore, I mistook your position. Now, by your grace, I can understand that you are the Supreme Lord, the Personality of Godhead, and that you are transcendental to all material qualities. Your transcendental position is Vishuddha sattva, which is above the platform of the material mode of goodness. And your transcendental abode is beyond the disturbance of the material qualities. Your name, fame, form, qualities, paraphernalia, and pastimes are all beyond this material nature, and they are never disturbed by the three material modes. Your abode is accessible only for one who undergoes severe austerities and penances and becomes completely free from the onslaught of material qualities like passion and ignorance. If someone thinks that when you enter within this material world you accept the modes of material nature, he is mistaken. The waves of the material qualities are never able to touch you and you, theref- and you certainly do not accept them when you are present within this world. Your lordship is never conditioned by the laws of material nature. My dear lord, You are the original father of this cosmic manifestation. You are the supreme spiritual master of this cosmic world. And you are the original proprietor of everything. As eternal time, you are competent to chastise offenders. Within this material world there are many fools like me who consider themselves to be the Supreme Lord or the all-in-all within the universe. You are so merciful that without accepting their offenses you devise means so that their false prestige is subdued and they can know that you and no one else are the Supreme Personality of Godhead. My dear Lord, you are the Supreme Father, the Supreme Spiritual Master, and the Supreme King. Therefore you have the right to chastise all living entities whenever there is any discrepancy in their behavior. The father, the spiritual master, and the supreme executive officer of the state are always well-wishers of their sons, their students, and their citizens, respectively. As such, the well-wishers have the right to chastise their dependents. By your own desire, you appear auspiciously on the earth, and your eternal varieties of forms, and in your eternal varieties of forms, you come to glorify the earthly planet, and specifically to chastise persons who are falsely claiming to be God. In the material world, there is regular competition between different types of living entities to become supreme leaders of society. And after being frustrated in achieving the supreme positions of leadership, foolish persons claim to be God, the Supreme Personality. There are many such foolish personalities in this world, like me. But in due course of time, when they come to their senses, they surrender unto you and again engage themselves properly by rendering service unto you. And that is the purpose of your chastising persons envious of you. My dear Lord, I committed a great offence under your lotus feet, being falsely proud of my material opulences, not knowing your unlimited power. Therefore, my Lord, kindly excuse me, because I am fool number one. (laughs) Kindly give me your blessings, so that I may not act so foolishly again. If you think, my Lord, that the offense is very great and cannot be excused, then I appeal to you that I am your eternal servant. You appear in this world to give protection to your eternal servants and to destroy the demons who maintain great military strength just to burden the very existence of the earth. As I am your eternal servant, kindly excuse me. My dear Lord, You are the Supreme Personality of Godhead. I offer my respectful obeisances unto You, because You are the Supreme Person and the Supreme Soul. You are the Son of Vasudeva, and You are the Supreme Lord, Krishna, the Master of all pure devotees. Please accept my prostrated obeisances. You are the personification of Supreme Knowledge. You can appear anywhere according to Your desire. In any one of your eternal forms. You are the root of all creation and the supreme soul of all living entities. Due to my gross ignorance, I created a great disturbance in Vrindavan by sending torrents of rain and a heavy hailstorm. I acted out of severe anger caused by your stopping the sacrifice which was to be held to satisfy me. But, my dear Lord, You are so kind to me that You have bestowed Your mercy upon me by destroying all my false pride. I therefore take shelter of Your lotus feet. My dear Lord, You are not only the Supreme Controller but also the spiritual master of all living entities. Thus praised by Indra, Lord Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, smiled beautifully, and then replied in a grave voice, like a rumbling cloud, My dear Indra, I stopped your sacrifice just to show you my causeless mercy and to remind you that I am your eternal master. I am the master not only of you, but of all the other demigods as well. You should always remember that all your material opulences are due to My mercy. No living entity can independently become opulent. One must be favored by My mercy. Everyone should always remember that I am the Supreme Lord. I can show anyone My favor and I can chastise anyone, because no one is superior to Me. If I find someone overpowered by false pride, In order to show him my causeless mercy, I withdraw all his opulences." It is noteworthy that Krishna sometimes removes all of a rich man's opulences in order to facilitate his becoming a soul surrendered to Him. This is a special favour of the Lord's. Sometimes it is seen that a person is very opulent materially, but due to his devotional service to the Lord, he may be reduced to poverty. One should not think, however, that because he worshiped the Supreme Lord, he became poverty-stricken. The real purport is that when a person is a pure devotee, but at the same time, by miscalculation, wants to lord it over material nature, the Lord shows His special mercy by taking away all material opulences, until at last He surrenders unto the Supreme Lord. After instructing Indra, Lord Krishna asked Him to return to His kingdom in the heavenly planets and to remember always that He is never the Supreme, but is always subordinate to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. He also advised Him to remain as King of Heaven, but to be careful of false pride. After this, the transcendental Surabhi cow, who had come with Indra to see Krishna, offered her respectful obeisances unto him and worshipped him. The Surabhi offered her prayer as follows. My dear Lord Krishna, you are the most powerful of all mystic yogis because you are the soul of the complete universe and only from you has all this cosmic manifestation taken place. Therefore, although Indra tried his best to kill my descended cows in Vrindavan, they remained under your shelter, and you have protected them all so well. We do not know anyone else as the Supreme, nor do we go to any, other, any god or demigods for protection. Therefore, You are our Indra. You are the Supreme Father of the whole cosmic manifestation, and You are the protector and elevator of all the cows, brahmanas, demigods, and others who are pure devotees of Your Lordship. O Supersoul of the Universe, let us bathe You with our milk, for You are our Indra. O Lord, You appear just to diminish the burden of impure activities of the earth on the earth. Then the Surbi cow bathed Krishna with her milk, and Indra bathed him with the water of the celestial Ganges through the trunk of his carrier elephant. After this the Sūrabhi cows and all the demigods and their mothers joined the heavenly King Indra in worshiping Lord Krishna by bathing him with Ganges' water and the milk of these Surabis. Thus Govinda, Lord Krishna, was pleased with all of them. The residents of all higher planetary systems, such as Gandharva-loka, Vidyadara-loka, loka, and CharnanLoka, loka all combined and glorified the Lord by chanting His holy name as their wives and damsels danced with great joy. They very much satisfied the Lord, by incessantly pouring flowers from the sky. When everything was very nicely and joyfully settled, the cows over the surface of the earth with their milk. The water of the rivers began to flow with various tasty liquids and give nourishment to the trees, producing fruits and flowers of different colors and tastes. The trees began to pour drops of honey. The hills and mountains began to produce potent medicinal plants and valuable stones. Because of Krishna's presence, all these things happened very nicely. And the lower animals, who were generally envious of one another, were envious no longer. After satisfying Krishna, who was the lord of all the cows in Vrindavan, and it was known as Govinda. King Indra took his permission to return to his heavenly kingdom. As he passed through cosmic space, he was surrounded by all kinds of demigods. This great incident is a powerful example of how Krishna consciousness can benefit the world. Even the lower animals, Forget their envious nature and become elevated to the qualities of the demigods. Thus end the Bhaktivedanta purport of the 27th chapter of Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Prayers by Indra, the King of Heaven.
0: Any of the parts that struck, stuck with you?
2: Material nature, the Lord shows His special mercy by taking away all material opulences until, at last, He <clears throat> surrender <clears throat> and, and what struck you about that so much, that I just rebellion. like this this elegance of language when it says miscalculation. You know, uh, the price of miscalculation is really dear,
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because you know with so much uh, condition. When we grew up by the Mediterranean Mediterranean traditions. You know that sin and the whole thing about punishment and reward and so on. So drastic is so incisive. But the world is calculation, it's such a noble one. <laughs> <laughs> it is so kind. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. That's nice. Yeah, it's very <clears throat> I was, t- I was amazed uh, at the power of the material energy because just see how much what Christa did in order to correct the right? and then in his prayers he said thank you so much I'll never do that again and then he did it again and he keeps doing it again and he keeps getting corrected because he's a devotee Know, and Krishna keeps forgiving him, but when you get a position, a big position, mm-hmm. it's extremely difficult. You know, even Lord Brahma sometimes makes mistakes and goes crazy, and crazy. So I was just really appreciating just how powerful Krishna's energy is. That no one, except for him, never gets involved. But through energy, and that's confirmed in Bhagavad Gita. Where, where Krishna himself says, there's no one in the material
3: universe from Brahma down to the Yoga. It is not influenced by, by the most
4: in, the material world. Sure. I had exactly the same quotes coming from but precise words of how about this, this is a special set of structure, miscalculation, and a few chapters ago also, you what's know, it, by misidentification everybody with the self, we're fatigued. (laughs) So this is also a special use. And that's one fatigue, fatigue from misidentification. Mm. And a few of the paragraphs with all those, fatigue of the gopis from separation. Mm. That's interesting. But Mm. regarding the sentence, I was thinking, how can one be a pure devotee and have a miscalculation
0: of desire to do it all
3: the, the answers that with right. you Yes? I was in regards to the, regard the gopis worshiping, worshiping God's cup behind me. gave us his own example. As he describes in the third And we're on the morning walk by Nauvrim. And we can pass the third or and Prabhupada walks in and pays obeisances We also walked in and followed suit. And afterwards, we asked Prabhupada, "Why, did, why did you? Why do are we worshiping God And he said, "I was thinking of the copious worshiping goddess Kaliyami against Christians." It's all—it's all its all you know, its a mentality that comes. Where
4: are the actions directed? Hare Krishna So, a couple chapters ago we read that by performing devotional service to Krishna one automatically pleases everyone Um, I guess my experience is though many times I'm out on book distribution, and many people might not appreciate what you are the doing. They tell you, "Get out of here! What are you doing?" They don't pay attention, even though I'm um, engaged in devotional service, and this service is pleasing to Krishna. And if everyone's supposed to be pleased by it, why does it seem like some people are not pleased, and they they seem inimical to it? I guess that's that's a question.
0: Well in the Nectar Devotion, the definition of auspiciousness, which is one of the characteristics, the second characteristic mentioned of the performance of pure devotional service, Guru Goswami says, auspiciousness means the performance of activities that are good for all the people of the world. Mm -hmm. And whether they know or know not at the time, it's uh, of benefit to them. And we just saw a, a couple of reversals where people had not understood Krishna and thought that he was their enemy in some way because he was taking away their sense gratification. And then they came to understand that he was actually their well-wisher. You know? In the same way, it, it is all auspicious for, for all living entities. And some, because of their predisposition to appreciate it, will appreciate it immediately and others later on will come to appreciate it mm. because they're not in <coughs> the moment able to, to, to appreciate it. Prabhupada mentions this in the Chaitanya Charitamrita that every living entity has an appreciated capacity. In fact, that's the whole uh, purpose of the first part of the seventh canto of Srimad Bhagavatam. Mm. It seems as if Krishna is partial. The question that Preekshet Mara has asked at the beginning of the seventh canto is, why is the Lord partial to the demigods? Seems like he's favoring Indra in the earlier canto, sixth canto. And then um, Shukade Goswami says, actually, the Lord is equal to everybody. But some people are able to take advantage of his mercy and other people aren't, according to their positioning in the material modes of nature. So it is auspicious for everybody coming in contact with Krishna and some me- immediately realize it because of their particular situation. Others will realize it later on. But in general, it is mentioned in dhira, dhira, Jana, priyo, pujito, that the Goswamis were appreciated by the gentle and the ruffians. And there's a phenomenon that we see oftentimes that... Even those who do have a kind of affinity for material nature or whatever uh, have a sudden appreciation for a pure devotee because they recognize or intuit that that person doesn't have any envy. Prabhu uh, has an anecdote. I'm predicting
3: everyone's hearing the Holy who comes in contact with you. And they may... A that, 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 that seed is planted in the heart. My first experience, that was my first running hunt that I saw. I just felt the only they to the ear going go the heart. They best described the trust uh, how that works. And I walked away for a year and a half. But the effect was there. It, everyone it is affected, uh, as my patient mentioned. They may not know it, they may, may, may not, they may not know it, but eventually, we'll have its expect. Right. Maybe you might not. Also, she Prophet said that uh, when you approach someone. Uh, seeking a
4: donation for Krishna. Krishna's in his heart. And if Krishna says give, he gives. But if he's not ready, then what can you do? Just like you say, you're out there, jivas are coming, and some are going, get out of here, get a job, get out of my face. And others are for some reason, qualified and fortunate, and Krishna's in their heart. And if I go
1: up to you and say, "Here's a Bhagavad Gita," give a donation, and Krishna's in there, and if the guy isn't ready, what can you do? But you did your best, right? You were there. You tried to help them. Didn't Didn't we hear that <coughs> in the past? Didn't we hear that in the past time of uh, when the cowards went to the Brahmin, begging, alms? And they came back disappointed. This is don't be disappointed, three people thinking. Some people, come, people say yes, and some
3: people will say no. Two people do, it. but that's the nature of Just one more point to respond to question.
2: In the same Purporta Kalpa, writes any sane man will appreciate Krishna consciousness. So insane, envious people will not appreciate. Also. By being angry with Krishna, or by coming in contact with Krishna, even through anger, they're absorbed in Krishna consciousness. We have a neighbor in our temple who's very envious, but we can see that like Kamsa and Shishupal, he's constantly absorbed in the So like that, they're not getting benefit. I'm confident
0: he'll at least get liberation. In the eleventh canto. Second chapter, twelve verse. Pure devotional service rendered is spiritually so potent that simply by hearing about such transcendental service, by chanting its glories in response, by meditating on it, by respectfully and faithfully accepting it, or by praising the devotional service of others, even persons who hate the demigods and all other living beings, <laughs> can't be immediately purified. <laughs> That's the auspicious effect of devotional service, and the, and there can be reversals, although it's not our duty to try to influence such persons directly. We're supposed to avoid them if they're envious. And, and also, there's
1: another verse, isn't it, in the, 11 in of, in the 11th chapter, there's another verse where Krishna states, only, that he is choosing he's chosen, he's chosen. To deliver the world of the dust of the feet of like his devotees. In other mm-hmm. words, he empowers the devotees to deliver uh, in a way that he won't do himself. Of course, when he comes to think, that's another thing, general. And so, when you're going out, you are in that position. You're, you're executing uh, the Supreme will, and you will get that benefit. And that person will get the benefit, even if it's if
0: that is what I'm pointing out, even if he's not aware of it. Another one? With the dust of my devotees, lotus feet. This is 11, 14, 16, for those of you. I desire to purify the material worlds which are situated within me. Thus, I always follow the footsteps of my pure devotees, who are free from all personal desire, wrapped in thought of my pastimes, peaceful, without any feelings of enmity, and of equal disposition everywhere. Purport Just as the devotees always follow the footsteps of Lord Krishna similarly lord krishna being a devotee of his devotees <clears throat> follows the footsteps of his devotees a pure servitor of the lord is always meditating on the pastimes of the lord and considering how to assist the, the lord in his mission all the material universes are situated in Sri krishna's body as demonstrated to arjuna mother yashoda and others lord krishna is the supreme personality of god and therefore there's no question of impurity in the lord Still, the Lord desires to purify the universes situated within him by taking the dust of the lotus feet of his pure devotees. Without the dust of the lotus feet of the devotees, it is not possible to engage in pure devotional service without which one cannot directly experience transcendental bliss. Lord Krishna thought, I have established this strict rule that one can enjoy my transcendental bliss only through devotional service obtained, from the dust of the lotus feet of my devotees. Since I also desire to experience my own bliss, I will observe the standard procedure and accept the dust of my devotees' feet. Srila <laughs> Advacharya points out that Lord Krishna follows the footsteps of his, de- of his devotees in order, in order to purify them. As the Lord walks along behind his pure devotees, the wind blows the dust of the Lord's feet in front of his devotees who then become purified by contact with such transcendental dust. One should not foolishly look for material logic in these transcendental pastimes of the Lord. It is simply a question of love between the Lord and his devotees. I
3: don't look for
4: the logic. It's just love. Far out. thinking of like connection between the two pastimes, the dominance, wives, and... Uh, when we're done past seems like the connection is that like taking shelter of ritualistic activities like um, performing yagas, or worshiping the demigods uh, rather than just taking shelter in Krishna. And I was thinking in this connection that like, Krishna spoke karma mimosa philosophy of, like um, just like, that materialistic activities is all that there is there. And um, I was thinking about this when I just got to Vrindavan um, a couple of weeks ago, that like, I, I, I have more trust in um, like performing material activities to, in order to feed myself than I do in, in Krishna, I, it's like innate in my consciousness. Like perform, performing material activities to feed myself. It's like, like a, and that seems like, um, it's like, um, like, a, 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 it's like innate in the body and the psyche to trust that more than trusting Krishna. And, and uh, I was thinking, it's really a little bit harder to find good prashadam and good and things like that. And I was thinking. Like trying to feed myself became more challenging, and I was trusting, like going to the shop and things like that, rather than doing service for Krishna. And I was my consciousness was that more than that, and I was just trying to get out of that consciousness by just finding some service and and, and uh, knowing Krishna could take care of me. Uh, so it was just some reflections.
0: Thank you for sharing that realization. I'd like to say more about the lives of the (laughs) brunt. You were going to say something about the prasadam here. Then you came here and you got a great prashadam. We always have a sense here when we're doing the siring chanting. You take care of yourself as much, besides just the regular ablutions. And then the prashadams, like as good as it gets anywhere in the world, and that, that sense of mahamyaham If anyone just takes that as his or her business to fully focus on devotional service, then Krishna makes all arrangements. And I see that with devotees who are really surrendered to Krishna, how they're really taken care of. In fact, Prabhupada mentioned earlier in one of the chapters that we read that people often say, how is it that you people... You know, you have cars, and you're being fed so nicely. And all you're doing is chanting Hare Krishna. And that, that kind of sense can arise of wonderment in, if you watch devotees who are fully engaged. How are they getting so much facility? And it, it, Because they're not working or anything like that. They're just actually chanting Hare Krishna, teaching other people to chant Hare Krishna. And meanwhile, Krishna gives every facility possible. Uh, uh, back to the wives of the brahmins. one part that always strikes me there is the admission at the end by the brahmanas that they were not as advanced as their wives. And one of the telltale signs was that the women went out into the forest to meet with Krishna and there was a, a pervading sense in Vrindavan at that time that anyone could be punished for that for going near krishna by kamsa that was still in the air very prominently and the brahmanas then uh, were afraid to to go out there even though they had been transformed they still couldn't do it because they had fear that they would be punished by kamsa and that was one of the signs that the the wives were so advanced that they just threw caution to the wind and, and went out anyway to meet him in the forest. Anything else? Yadabhar Prabhu. So go ahead and take the mic because nothing counts until you speak into the mic. <laughs> <laughs> just a on the point of the
3: realization <laughs> of the Brahmins, what, what actually they triggered them? I mean, the wives returned, they were, they were, they were transformed. I've seen Krishna, but what
0: actually triggers the realization of the Well, one thing, that's mention, one thing that's mentioned in the chapter is that Krishna tells them before they go back that he'll adjust everything. He is exactly say... He, of course, he's the super soul in everyone's heart, but he does say that we'll go back because the... the wives expressed their hesitation in going back. They said, we already left everybody and we'll, we'll just be shunned. We won't be able to do service anyway. And then Krishna says, no, I, I'm going to adjust everything for when you go back. And that's one of the um, signs that something is... uh Krishna's up to something there. Reflections? Okay, well your question was how was how is it that a pure devotee can be... What was the...
4: Miscalcul- make a
0: miscalculation. And of course, throughout the Krishna book we see various ways in which pure devotees make miscalculations. Can anybody think of one? An obvious one? That's like a major miscalculation by Brahma, a pure
2: devotee.
0: Brahma? He miscalculated any, any other ones. One of those. One of the scariest ones I saw was with Akura. Akura got in with the wrong crowd. He stole the shamataka jewel. But he's obviously a pure devotee. In fact, his prayers are noted for being quintessential prayers of a pure devotee. Yeah. He's noted in verses that he attained perfection by praying and so forth. So, you know, he also. But the question is how. It's possible.
4: Leela? I mean, isn't that
1: got something to do with it? Well, you can hard. always call,
0: pull out the Leela card, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Didn't he get cursed by the Gopis because? That's true too. Yeah, he got that's part of the by Leela. The Gopis because he took the Gopis and took them away from the Gopis and they said, "Oh yeah, <laughs> that's it. You're finished. You know, you're gonna have to go through a lot."
0: Prabhupada writes this in the 931 in the Bhagavad Gita. The verse is, He quickly becomes righteous and attains lasting peace, O Son of Kunti. Declare it boldly that my devotee never perishes. Prabhupada's purport, this should not be under, misunderstood. In the seventh chapter, the Lord says that one who is engaged in mischievous activities cannot become a devotee of the Lord. One who is not a devotee of the Lord has no good qualifications whatsoever. The question remains then: How can a person engaged in abominable activities, either by accident or by intention, be a pure devotee? This question may be justly raised. May justly be raised. The miscreants, as stated in the seventh chapter, who never come to the devotional service of the Lord have no good qualifications, as it is stated in the Srimad Bhagavatam. Generally, a devotee who is engaged in the nine kinds of devotional activities is engaged in the process of cleansing all material contamination from the heart. Mm -hmm. He puts the Supreme Personality of God within his heart and all sinful contaminations are naturally washed away. Continuous thinking of the Supreme Lord makes him pure by nature. According to the Vedas, there is a certain regulation and if one falls down from his exalted position, he has to undergo certain ritualistic processes to purify himself. But here, there is no such condition because the purifying process is already there in the heart of the devotee mm-hmm. due to his remembering the Supreme Personality of God it constantly mm-hmm. therefore the chanting of Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare, 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 Hare Rama Rama Rama, 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 Rama Hare, Hare Hare should be continued without stoppage this will protect a devotee from all accidental fall-downs he will thus remain perpetually free from all mature mm-hmm. contaminations but then again where do accidental fall-downs come from there are cases in which um, a pure devotee will experience some worldliness according to the canto of the Bhagavatam the famous verse it says mm-hmm. and that is that it comes somehow or other and in the purport it's described how there, an artist can come out of uh, anywhere and it's um, they sort of bubble up to the surface mm-hmm. but he, the person may be engaged in pure devotional service but then he gets rectified as is mentioned here because he continues the process of devotional service
1: in the uh, prayer board Tate Tamsu Samikshamana and the prayers of Brahma to, for Krishna Srila Swami makes this comment He says um, if a a devotee once surrenders sincerely to Krishna, completely, still there may be uh, in the mind uh, some remnants of his his desire or or to do something from just the remnants of being in the material world. And therefore Krishna, he thinks, well, I'm not going to allow, allow this to happen. So, <clears throat> he arranges. And this is another, Ramachandra also sent this, uh, to Harama. He says, once the devotee has actually surrendered, given once, fully, and for this day I'm yours, then he takes care of that devotee from heaven. And then, it, it may appear to be a simple reaction, as Sri Darsami says, it actually is an attempt, it's medicine administered by the hand of the Lord. That the thing that happens is, it, well, it seems like a reaction, but it's tailor-made to deal with the actual thing that's causing that. faint, you know, uh, lingering in the mind tendency to want to do something, no longer a karmic reaction. It's, is the medicine given not go to
0: me. You're getting slept. Make it a quick one, since it's just,
4: just a I'm just wondering, to, you know, this question, whether it's a, a term, pure devotee. It seems quite like... Is it a specific thing? Is it uh, or is it, is, it, is, it, is, it, is it a generic term? Is there like a line that what causes exactly to to be a, known as a period of
0: words? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The line is when one changes from thinking that this A thing to the thing like we meet people all the time when we for instance put an advertisement out there in meetup.com and people appreciate krishna and they'll say yeah krishna is a thing hari krishna is a thing but somebody who says krishna the thing there's a ruba Goswami swami said there's 24 qualities of a pure devotee and one of them is that the devotee thinks krishna's the thing and that he's just he his in full intention is to surrender Krishna, even if he doesn't have all the other qualities. Said that one quality is sufficient. And if he has all the other qualities, but he doesn't have yeah. that one, then uh, there's no active, in, it's like the active ingredient. You look at a package of mints, it's got like 20 things it's got in it. But the one thing that actually works is the menthol. And that's the menthol, is that intention to surrender to Krishna. Prabhupada mentions it in in various ways. But there's also a definition of levels of devotees. I have a chart actually from um, collecting the different aspects of Kanishtha, Madhyama and Uttamadhikari. And from different Shastras, I can look at it and explain it later. So we've run out of time, but there's ways in which different Shastras explain the criterion through which one is considered a Kanishna Majema, or uttama adhikari. And that's another way of gauging what level a devotee is on. And it's not illegal to do that, because it's um, spoken in the shastra, for instance, in the upadeshamrita, krishneti yasya giritam, manasadrita, dikshasti, chet pranati bhishabhachantamisham, shushusha, etc. That there are various levels of devotees, And one should appropriately associate with each, with with the devotees accordingly. But it's noteworthy that even at the lowest level, when somebody just says Hare Krishna, then you're supposed to respect that person within your mind because there's something special there. And then there are higher levels of uh, advancement as well. And then in the Brahma Samhita, Yadrishi Yadrishi Shraddha Siddhir Bhavaditadrishi. It is said in the last instructions in the Brahma Samhita that according to how deep or thick one's faith is in Krishna to that degree one's attained siddhi or perfection in devotional service.
1: Yeah, I, I was going to say that once Brahma was asked this is just an anecdote take the not verifiable, right? Prabhupada was asked, how many pure devotees mm-hmm. are there? And the secretary was say, it was early on, there weren't that many devotees. And Prabhupada turned and said, how many initiated devotees are there? And he said, I don't know what I said, 25 or something. He said, there are at least that many pure period devotees. And then he defined it in that sense, a very generic sense. He was asking a question about it. Is a generic, you know? And he defined it as a person who doesn't have ulterior motives, which, which goes to his point about, you uh, know, it's Krishna, you know, A or B thing. You know. So without ulterior motives means if we, we, we don't have an ulterior motive for approaching Krishna, so we want to help, we want to
3: serve Krishna, and Krishna, then we're really yeah. Thus ends our reading.
0: Of the christian book here at coconut hill on friday october 18th 2019. we thank everyone who's joined us online from various places around the world and for those of you who have joined us here at the live gold drug studios
4: at the foot of coconut hill
3: (laughs)
0: Not to the Armarman, not to the Armarman, not the not the hey, not to the Armarman, not to the Armarman, not the not the